0: Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC Vegas Eleven: Woodley versus Covington, or Covington versus Woodley? I guess Covington's ranked
1: higher, so it would be that. Uh, Is that how they do the naming conventions? Who's ranked higher?
0: Cody Saftik here. Matt Best on the sticks breaking down a fourteen fight card. I don't know. as of this moment. As of this moment, UFC who knows? finally
1: learned their lesson. Though, I Paul. just
0: if this main card can stay intact, it's a nice little offering. Things get a little dicey as we go a little deeper down the card on this one. We're, I mean, we have can, we have people here that's just like I don't know if you really belong, but time to prove. I it. mean, they're willing to accept twelve K and and fight for our enjoyment. So who am I to judge?
1: 24 if you win. 24
0: if you win. You got to, I mean, plus
1: your Reebok money, another 2,500 on top of that. Plus
0: an opportunity to step it up to 15 and 15, probably on your next contract. times, Um, Yeah. Should we just get into the action here? Welcome to the new uh, well, we Mayo no,
1: Media. Or wait, no, this is our on our own feed now. Yeah. Well, there you go. I don't think we have any housekeeping. Pat obviously not in house today, but Pat <laughs> usually does all the housekeeping. Yeah, this is really a fun fight. Get into the housekeeping. Fun. I didn't make any
0: notes on my sheet about
1: any housekeeping, so I mm-hmm. guess we just talk about fights. Well, I guess that's what we do. We're not giving away DK bucks and all of that jazz. We don't have any housekeeping in that regard. So yeah. Let's just get into the fights and make some money. Absolutely. We got Colby Covington taking on Tyron Woodley in the main
0: event of the evening. Colby Covington, minus 345 favorite Tyron Woodley,
1: plus 285. Cody, take it away. Well, yeah, yeah, I think this is the fight that a lot of us have been wanting to see for a long time. The problem was is you could have got a good price tag on Colby Covington any time in the last two years. Tyron Woodley's just got this aura about him. Now, I'm not understanding what it is, and I'll be the first one to admit I've pretty much faded Tyron Woodley Mm -hmm. in every fight since the Damian Maia fight. But there's just not a whole lot of body of work there. I mean, we go back to him winning the title, right? He was given a title shot from Dana White off a split decision win over Kelvin Gastelum. Kelvin Gastelum missed weight came in at a 180 in a welterweight fight, spent the night in hospital because his body was shutting down, and still fought Woodley to a split decision. That's what got him the title fight. Then he one-punches Robbie Lawler. It's a cool KO. It's nice for the highlight reel. Woodley's now a bonafide UFC welterweight champion, and he gets the first Steven Thompson fight. Now, I'm on Steven Thompson. Steven Thompson defeats Tyron Woodley 3-2. to two. The problem is Stephen Thompson got dropped pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Stephen Thompson gets a 10-8 against him. As a result, fights a draw. But I think Steven Thompson proves to be the superior fighter. Again, I'm not sold on Tyron Woodley. Woodley's got all the stats on paper that make him just seem invincible. What a fighter this guy is. He's so unbelievably athletic. He's super fast. He's got that big right hand. Collegiate massive amount wrestler. of power. Collegiate wrestler. How are you going to take this guy down? People never talk about his cardio. I'm, I'm big on no cardio. But all the same, the guy's such a good wrestler. He's got such a big right hand. How do you defeat him? Well, Stephen Thompson should have defeated him, but he gets the rematch. And the second time around, it is the worst fight, Paul, you've ever seen. Even watching it back, it's like, man, just skip over it. Well, we're not even taking any lessons out of this one because Colby does not fight like Steven Thompson. But the lesson there was I still believe he lost that fight, as mm-hmm. terrible as it was. I didn't think he won. He beats Damian Maya, sure. Damian Maya goes 0 for 21 on, on takedown attempts. Not a very good fight. Goes the five-round distance. The Till fight, I get it. And then since then, that's when we've seen the guy that I always believed he was. When you can put a pace on this guy, you can wrestle a little bit. You don't even have to have better striking. You just have to have more output, more volume, more pressure. He just he gets very gun-shy. Now, maybe that's a result of him having all that power. Maybe that's a result of him knowing, oh, man, I only got to land one time to make it clean and drop the guy. Just like that Darren Till fight. Nothing happens in the first round versus Darren Till. Mm. And in the second round, he drops him and ends up submitting him. Mm, Till just can't grapple. Yeah, but he just stays so gun-shy that coming into the Uzman fight, Uzman's the underdog, and I can't figure it out why. And yeah, he's squeaking by some of these other guys, but he's squeaking by Damian Meyer, and he's squeaking by Darren Till, and he's squeaking by uh, Thompson. Uzman is next-level contender. Usman's dog money. I'm um, all over Uzman, and he routes him 50-45, wins all five rounds, wins all five rounds clean. Mm-hmm. And then the audacity on these people—they give him dog money on Gilbert Burns against Tyrone Woodley. Like he's finally showing the guy he is, and he's 30, he's 38, he's 39 30, years old. Yeah, 38. He's finally showing that he doesn't have the cardio to push a tremendous pace, especially over the course of five rounds, so he doesn't let his hands go. His wrestling, he's not trying to take you down because that would cost a lot of energy. It's taxing on the body. As far as his takedown defense goes, it's fine, sure. But when you're getting pressured against the cage and you're eventually getting tripped to the ground, just like in the Usman fight, it just looks bad in the judge's eyes. Now, again, Colby's been talking about this fight for the last two years, and if they had booked Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley when Woodley was the champ and Covington wanted to fight him then and it made tons of sense, we would have got a dog price on Covington. But Tyron Woodley wanted to fight Conor McGregor. Tyron Woodley wanted to fight Nate Diaz.
0: Ended up fighting none of them.
1: Yeah, but he just waited around for this money fight, and then eventually he had to take on Usman, who was the best guy in the division. It's funny because contender
0: Tyron Woodley was just like, give me a fight anytime, anywhere, and he went on like that (laughs) knockout run, and then once he got that strap, it was just like, hold up.
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm waiting though. for
0: only certain opponents that will not take the
1: fight. Right, but imagine you're him as well, right? So you, you, you beat Robbie Lawler, now you're the champ. The first Thompson fight, you don't get paid a whole lot, and it's a draw. Okay, so now the second Thompson fight, it's a real stinker. And you get paid, but what do you get paid? A quarter million dollars for the second Thompson fight? Now you get the Damian Maya fight. Wow, what a stinker that is. Now you're not in the UFC's favor. You just had two stinkers against guy. Damian Maya, especially, he's in his 40s at this point. B- bad look. The, Tyro, the, da- the, 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 the Darren Till's fight, sorry. He gets paid for this one. And now it's like, oh, man, I'm 37 years old, and I've been remotely paid for maybe my last three fights, not even a million dollars combined. I want to fight Conor McGregor. I want to fight Nate Diaz because those are easier fights for me, and I could get a big payday. Mm-hmm. At least with, with Conor McGregor, he can't wrestle at all. So Tyron Wooley does have that path to victory. So, anyways, how is he match up against Colby Covington? Well, his wrestling's just not on the table here because he's not going to go out there and take down Colby Covington, and he's certainly not going to go and take out Colby Covington multiple times. No, he's got to knock him out. He's got to knock him out. And, and like that's the funny Colby thing, Colby's shown it? a hell of a... Actually, you know what? His best path to victory, in my opinion, is shock him with a shot and then hit that guillotine choke. Because he does got a good guillotine. He does got a hell of a squeeze on him. And it'd be one of those... We've seen Colby get caught in a guillotine before against Worley Alves back in the day. Mm-hmm. If you just grab a hold of that neck and yank it in the first round, maybe he submits him with the guillotine. But I outside guess. of that, I think Colby just pressures him, pressures him, pressures him breaks, him, breaks him down. As far as striking goes, listen, Tyrone's technique's nice. He's very... He's tight. He's accurate, but just like in the Gilbert Burns fight, he just sitting there waiting. He for his likes hands waiting
0: to go. against the cage. I think, yeah, he and honestly, it's like Kamaru Usman, then Gilbert Burns. Like they, Kamaru Usman set the template. Gilbert Burns literally em- emulated the exact game plan, and, and Colby more Covington co- fights more the capability. exact same game yeah. plan, a little bit less power than both of those guys, of course. But good, higher, good probably volume, higher volume. Good volume,
1: good pressure, good cardio. I he's mean, got a
0: good chin. Obviously, he got knocked out against uh, Usman in his last fight. Like, damn near broke his jaw if he didn't. he's But he, he's taken off like nine months since then. I mean, I expect to see a lot of Tyron Woodley up against the cage, waiting for his big shot. He's going to have to land that big shot. I think Colby Covington wins very, very decisively in this spot. Tyron's just, it's the same matchup like three times in a row, and he he can't win this matchup.
1: Well, right, and I've gone on record to say that I would favor a lot of guys at the welterweight division over Tyron Woodley. I think guys like Jeff Neal, Santiago Ponzinibbio, and I even said Michael Chiesa, you know, a big welterweight that can push a pace on him, is going to have trouble because, again, he has to knock you out in the first round or two or he's going to fatigue. And Tyron Woodley's not the kind of guy that gets booked in co-main events or main card fights. He's a headliner, Mm -hmm. especially in 2020 when they're so shy for headliners. He's going to headline. He's going to have to fight five rounds. And I just don't think at this stage he can do that anymore. So he has to rely on that quick finish. And again, yeah, talking about Colby Covington, he got nailed with some massive shots by Kumar Usman, who's not a known power puncher, nope. certainly doesn't hit to the level of Tyron Woodley. But to get your jaw dislocated like that and then to come out in the fifth round and swing and... The end is very, very hard to watch. Uh, But again, if you are a hardcore right-wing Republican, you can argue, fucking early stoppage, man. Colby still (laughs) wanted to keep fighting. Just depends on your outlook and your perspective on things. But I think Colby Covington is the man in that regard. And honestly, I've been Team Colby Covington from the beginning. Not because of the antics, just because here's a guy that goes out there and wins fights the way we like. He just keeps going. He keeps going. He grinds. His striking, man, not that good. But he just puts a pace on you. And then o- over the years, now his striking, not that bad. Still not that good. Yeah, he doesn't have
0: stinging power. No, he's not no. going to hurt Tyron. But, if, yeah, if he can back him up against the cage, not get bombed on the first it two rounds, like, Tyron's not going to have... He can't keep that pace. Cause remember- I don't. I think we've seen. But he's very, very durable. He usually gets two yeah. decision. Hasn't been knocked out since Nate Marquardt way, way, way back in strike force, I believe.
1: Tyron Woodley. Yeah. yeah. No, he's durable. And I would mm-hmm. think that Colby Covington, it goes five rounds if Colby Covington's going to win. One thing about Woodley coming out and saying that this is such a grudge match and it's so heated that maybe he does go out guns a blazing. This could very well be his last fight. As we mentioned, he's nearing 40. Uh, he's on a two-fight losing streak currently. If he loses to his arch-nemesis rival, Colby Covington, and he's on a three-fight losing streak at this stage in his career, it could very well be last for him. So if he goes out guns ablaze, and that is his best, best path to victory. Because again, Colby Covington, remember his fight with Damian Maia, where it's like the first round, Damian Maya busts him up, hits him, busts him up, striking, Paul, striking. You know, Colby's hittable. But he's, he almost fights to his extent, I know a lot of people will disagree, But he's got a similar striking style to, like, the Diaz brothers. He stalks you, stands right in front of you, and you hit him a few times, but he just keeps pouring it on, keeps pouring it on. It's not the most technical. It's not the most powerful, but it just adds up on you. So maybe he can break T. Wood late and force a late stoppage if T. Wood kind of blows his gas tank early trying to get that early finish, but... Yeah, I I got Colby Covington. I know it's not the popular opinion, but 345 really isn't a bad price tag. There's a lot of other guys that I would favor over Tyron Woodley. And uh, 345 is an indication that people just don't like Colby Covington. They don't want to bet Colby Covington. They're hoping he gets knocked out. But the truth is the truth, and the truth is he's the superior fighter in the spot. At this stage in both guys' careers, the way they match up stylistically... It's Covington 345. Maybe you chase it by decision like you're saying. That seems logical. T Wood still is very I could durable. See a late He's not I could see a late finish though. But I but but I could also see a late finish and it's just like Actually I you saw know.
0: I saw one book had uh 17 to 1 on rounds 4 and 5 and I was just like mm. <laughs> I haven't touched it yet but I was thinking Fourth about look, it. Certainly. I mean Colby doesn't really finish and and Woodley doesn't get finished so it's kind of tough but I mean this would be three straight losses. Like Woodley needs this fight to just have any sort of title relevancy. He's not going to get a title shot off of this type of fight, but he needs to win this one. He loses this one. There's no chance he ever gets a title shot ever again at 38 years old.
1: Yeah, for sure. And the last thing to sprinkle on there is that uh, maybe this is a fight that you do wait to watch the weigh-ins because one thing I really did notice is if you compare Woodley at the Darren Till weigh-in or the Usman weigh-in, compare either of those weigh-ins, Two Burns, he's mad deflated. Mm -hmm. Like, he's lost a lot of mass on him. He just doesn't look like that ripped-up, shredded Woodley that we've come to know over the years. And I'm not saying it's anything performance enhancer-related. I'm saying it's everything later on, 38. He's got his show on TMZ. He's got a commentating gig for the UFC. He's already won a world title. It's hard. He's had injuries. It's hard to get up in the morning and push that same kind of pace, whereas Covington, this is his dream still. He hasn't attained the real... UFC welterweight crown. He had the, uh, it was interim title. But you want you want to be the man, right? You got he's got to beat Usman, and to beat Usman, he's got to go out there and thrash Woodley. So one guy's stocks rising, and one guy, in my my opinion, his his stocks been plummeting since 2017. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I think we both agree with Colby Covington.
0: Yes, sir. We got uh, Nico Price taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Nico Price minus one fifty five. Donald Cerrone plus one thirty five. Donald Cerrone is has the advantage, honestly, in terms of skill set, in just about everything in this fight. The one thing that he really lacks, I think at this point in his career, is the durability. The one thing Nico Price has, and we've talked it about it a million times, is the death touch. Mm. I feel like Donald Cerrone is going to like look good. He's going to look good for the first couple minutes in this fight. He's going to be... Land in his strikes much more technical striker and then he's just gonna get he's gonna get clipped and it's gonna be all she wrote like that's what happens in Nico price fights um, I'm I haven't went to the window and laid any action on it like Cerrone is yeah much more skilled much more refined much more experienced in every little aspect of the fight game but it only takes one from Nico and he could be from bottom we've seen. You can be from bottom, just knock you out from, yeah, from he, below.
1: Basically, any position where his hand connects with your face, it's, uh, it's a very hairy prospect. And with Donald Cerrone, certainly another fighter that we'll talk about getting to the later, later stages of his career, just don't know if he can kind of take that damage. Donald Cerrone has dealt, as, as much of a cleaner striker as he is, and I agree 100% with your assessment, he could really go out there and put a clinic on Nico Price. But if he doesn't finish Nico Price, then this is a fist fight. Nico Price, at any point, could lay Now, I hate betting guys just on the on the prospect of, man, they could land that shot. But here's one thing with Donald Cerrone. His career's gone through stages, you know, where he's a title contender, and then he seems to be washed. And then he'll get himself back into contention, and then he seems washed again. But you look at his run, and more specifically, his last two wins, right? Ally Quinta and Alex Hernandez. Ally Quinta has since gone on to go 0-1 in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Alex Hernandez has since gone... He robbed Trinaldo, and then... Uh, and then got p- pieced up by Drew Dober, so he's gotten one and one with that robbery win, and uh, he had that win over Mike Perry, whose life has kind of just spun out in turmoil, and doesn't really seem a contender. So, so at the time, he's smoking young prospect Alex Hernandez, sick. Hernandez never really got to where we thought he was. Smokes Ally Quinta, sick. L.A. Quinter really did have one foot out the door with the real estate thing and just, you know, unmotivated. But more importantly, both those fights that are 155 pounds, mm-hmm. Whereas Donald 70 Cerrone, big problem there. Yeah, yeah, because Donald Cerrone deals with physicality, right? That's one thing that kind of always gets him. Even though he's six foot one and he is uh, one inch taller than Nico Price, he just doesn't have the same frame. Mm-hmm. To that extent, he has a 73-inch reach, and that's dealt with him really well over the past because he's got a good jab. So he can stay rangy on the outside, use that classic Muay Thai. Nico Price has a 76-inch reach, freakishly long arms. He's going to touch up Donald Cerrone. Now, Donald Cerrone has the wrestling advantage as well, so why not take Nico Price to the ground? Well, that's what becomes more difficult at 170 pounds because now it's just going to be more difficult to take down Nico Price, who, again, is at American Top Team, trains all the best guys. I don't know for sure that he's been in camp at Colby Covington or Tyron Woodley, whoever's at ATT, but I just mean he's got a plethora well, not of Not Colby
0: Covington. He's moved on to his own camp.
1: <laughs> right, right. But it's just a plethora of bodies that he can work with you know, in the wrestling room to get ready for Donald Cerrone's shots. As far as Donald Cerrone getting the fight to the ground, Donald Cerrone could submit him. I mean, I guess we saw Vincente Luque submit him once upon a time. But Nico Price has just been making those improvements. He's still only 30 years old. He's just kind of a bit of a wild man. He's he's green in his own ways. He's wild in there. But he gets away with it because as soon as one of those wild strikes does land, it just causes a significant amount of damage. As much as I think that I would like to place an underdog bet on Donald Cerrone because he is the more technically savvy guy, We've been seeing these, these you know, underdog veteran guys you know, pull out all the stops and, and pull off the victory. But that being said, you, I, just, I look back to the four-fight losing streak, and he's fighting the, the best guys in the world. Justin Gaethje, the number one contender to Khabib's crown. Yep. Tony Ferguson, the legitimate number two guy to Khabib's crown. Conor McGregor, you would rank him in the top five. But again, it's Conor fucking McGregor. Anthony Pettis is a former champion. Arguably did win that fight against Anthony Pettis. But... He those, none of those guys have the size of Nico Price. It's just coming down to size, not skill, right? But oh. Gaethje's a 55er. Gaethje's Ferguson's got the power, a 55er. And we saw what happened. Connor's a 55er, but they fought at 170. Anthony Pettis is a 55er, but they fought at 170. You have this idea, this perception that Donald Cerrone will be fine at 170, but even just look back he at He never like, fights
0: actual welterweights <clears throat> when he fights at welterweight.
1: There's no world that exists. That Nico Price makes 155 pounds it just doesn't exist. And likewise, remember when Donald Cerrone fought uh, Darren Till? Cerrone's the favorite over Darren Till, and Darren Till doesn't throw a whole lot of strikes. He's just quite simply a big fucking dude, and it's like that—that's enough because he can stand his ground and return fire. And then when he returns fire, Cerrone just again—he's he's had a lifetime of damage in just all of his career highlight reel and his fight of the nights and all of these performances and fighting multiple times in in the same calendar year for our enjoyment. Eventually, it's kind of worn down to him. So I just think that size is going to matter. Now, that, that being said, I wouldn't bet Donald Cerrone just on the basis of well, he's the more technical guy, but you know, he me, he might be shot and he might be disinterested, and I, I don't really know. And I don't want to bet Nico Price just on the basis of well, he's just the bigger guy. He's eventually going to land the death touch. So honestly, I think this fight's a bit of a pass. Um, there's 14 spots on the card. There's definitely better ones. Obviously, yeah, you don't it's have a to force it. no. It's a fun fight. It could be fight of the night. It's going to be. It's the co-main event. Everybody's going to have a lot of interest in it. There's a feel that you want some money on it. But Cerrone is a superior fighter. I just think that at this stage in the game, it's Nico Price's for the taking. Again, this is not a card of Prime versus Prime. This is a card of who's in it and what's happening right now. And as much as Nico Price has been knocked out, and he has been submitted, the guys that have knocked him out, uh, Jeff Neal, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, Vincente Luque, they're all at different... Well, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, not that good. But the power on him. And Jeff Neal, very good. And the power on him and Vicente Luque it's like he can throw 120 significant strikes and they're all significant you know like it's just like a pace setting thing throwing D- doesn't pose those same problems so Nico probably gets away with it the way he's gotten away with some of his other fights but mm-hmm. he, he, I don't know that's a pass it's a pass a guy sure. that wins with a up kick off his back and the guy that wins with a a hammer fist off his back and like Those are just weird spots, man. He's going to be in a lot of bad spots in this fight, and you you hate to be yelling at your TV screen like, man, just do something, do something. I think he's an interesting DraftKings play. I don't think you have to bet Certainly a good DraftKings play because his upside is first round KO, right? So, yeah, I feel you there. We
0: have Hamzat Chemaev taking on Gerald Mearshart. Explain to me. I mean, this fight opened at minus 600. Hamzat Chemaev. This is like 85% win probability. Now it's down towards 75%. So people are liking themselves a little taste of uh, Gerald Mearshart here. And it seems like across all the markets, that anytime a little it drops a little bit, there's some action coming on the other side. It seems to be a very, very heavily bet fight. I mean, I know. Mearshart, for one, he's got one knockout in the UFC. It's a body kick to Eric Spicely. So now we're, t- we're into a situation where he's got to get a submission, I think. And against these guys with, you know, the... I know that he's from uh, Chechnya, or not, uh, not Dagestan, the... Chechnya? Is it Chechnya that he's from? Yeah, I'm pretty sure,
1: because they're repping him hard.
0: Yeah. All right. So uh, the guys from that region, with that wrestling background... I mean, they don't. These guys are not gonna get submitted from like. Wow, well, the triangles. I'm looking at triangles. Do you what? Do you, I, I just don't understand what? Like, why people are? Maybe maybe this is like a whole like. They knew that the it line opened too much. Maybe this is a play where they're like arbing. No, they're trying to fade Chamaev. Maybe I'm thinking they're by, batting both sides because like this doesn't make any sense to me. I know that I know. There's Chumayev, only two
1: possible answers. Chamaev
0: has fought. Like, the absolute bottom of the barrel in terms of competition. But he landed, what, 198 strikes
1: and only absorbed eight? Yeah, against guys that couldn't do nothing against him. John Phillips just cannot grapple. Simple fact, can't grapple. Riz McKee can grapple. (laughs) Small welterweight, taking on Chimayev coming down from 185. It was just a bad matchup for him. Mearshart, big big welterweight. And got some grappling chops on him. And people just maybe not sold on Chimayev. But, yeah, I don't. I don't see it personally. I think that Shemayev is uh, I think is, we can just enough. keep
0: this on the feet and probably win it there. As there's well. one
1: there's one thing we need to address, potential creatures. Gerald theory. doesn't
0: Gerald doesn't hurt people on the
1: feet. You go through all of his fights. Well the Daron Wynn fight he looked good. It, but it was like he pushed a pace on Duron. Daron Wynn's
0: like my, like five foot two and fights at middleweight. He's like, not that tall, is he? <laughs> exactly. His arms are so small. Like there's oh, massive there's advantages for game. him there. Hamzat Shmaev is not a small welterweight. He's actually not a small middleweight. The no, guys look, like the guys monstrous at welterweight. Uh, what uh, Gerald Meerschaert is six foot two. Hamzat is six, six foot yeah. one.
1: No, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're it's basically the same, same
0: size. I'm uh, Gerald is a little bit thicker, of course, but honestly, I think the people saying that there's like a big size issue for Hamzat here. It's like I don't. I don't know. I don't think he's all. He's going to be all that undersized. I'll, I'll watch the way. I've already, you know difference. me. I've already got some action of course, in on this of before course. this line moves. I, I parlayed him in Covington. The prices are around the same right now. So um, and I and I laid a
1: hammer. On so it. to be honest with you, I was in the same position because it opened at like six to one, and I was like, ah, fuck. You know it yeah, is. Yeah, it's it going
0: to get. I, I actually
1: didn't in even look at it for it like a day, and I thought, I
0: thought it was going to get away from me. Yeah, he was. I think the it was. Covington it was minus three forty-five on my ticket, and Chomayev was minus three fifty on the ticket. It's it pays. Yeah, it's like a, a thousand pays. No, l- listen, hundred percent.
1: I thought the same thing. As soon as it dropped, I was like, Whoop, now the money's time to get in." The only thing I could think of at the time was like, unless some Russian backer was like, "Now's the time." right, undefeated, let's lose one of Mearshart as a big underdog, and that's what made the... But then going online, there's just a lot of people that are publicly backing Gerald Mearshart. They think that he's got the, 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 the submission savvy, I guess. He's got the general ringship, I suppose. Now, when you think about it, right, it's not the size difference in the fight. It's the size of the record difference. You have Chemiah that has eight professional fights versus Gerald Mearshart who has 44 pro- professional fights. And, uh, yeah, Mearshart, even though he's, again, starting to get a little bit older... He just he makes improvements fight to fight. He gives a better version of himself. Now the Ian Heinish fight is a bit of an outlier because Mirshar showed off a pretty good chin up until that point of his career, mm-hmm. but just like got clubbed by Ian Heinish right off the top and it was just like falls to the ground. Coming to this matchup, he's got some supreme confidence in himself. But I, I'm sold on Chemayev. I mean he fights the exact way that you would want him to fight. I think he's got two avenues to victory here. A, he takes avenue A that we all hope he does. Take him down, smash, smash, smash. Smash. Done. Chumayev could definitely do it. Stay out of the triangle. Just stay out of harm's way. Don't even bother passing guards. Well, actually, get to half guard. Half guard would be the best place to hang out and just smash away. There's no submissions from there, realistically. Grab his other arm, do the smash. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially just uh, just lock him up up against the cage. Yeah, Dagestani, handcuff him, get him up against it. It'd be the Chechen handcuff in this case. But just put him up against the cage and smash away at this guy. And not only is just a lot of these Chechen guys, Dagestani guys, they're so good in the wrestling department, in the Sambo department. Because think about just, I mentioned this the other day, but think about just like a good, high high school wrestling team. You go to high school, you show up in the gymnasium, and there's... uh, well, you're what? You can you start wrestling in grade eight, let's say. You show up. You're, you're already 14 years old. There's, there's 30 kids in the gymnasium, Paul. You realistically need to maybe beat one or two of them to get the starting spot on the high school wrestling team. And you wrestle for four years, and then you go to college, some other kids. Now, these Dagestani kids, these Chechen kids, they're, they're in a room with like three, 400 kids, man. And the only way you're getting a sponsorship, the only way you're getting out of here, the only way that you're going to hopefully provide for your family is if you're the top guy. And you just grind, 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 grind. Not only does he have that, Where he has all that lifetime of grind, that mentality, that ability to just keep going, that what he's showing off, is that he was one of the guys that got out and went to Sweden and just really shored up his striking skills. And there lies his second path to victory. I I think he could honestly keep this fight standing and knock out Jeremy Rashard. I honestly do believe it. I think Mirshard doesn't wear a shot particularly well. And I think that Chimayo's got some, just, he's got some good power. There's videos of him online in his regional showing career where he's getting the TKO over guys where he shows some decent striking. But uh, beyond that, I mean, there's videos of him training at All Stars Gym where he floors Alexander Gustafson with a body kick. It's like, mm-hmm. man, this guy's a scary talent. 26, getting better. I talk about Jeremy Shar's confidence. This kid's confident. And everybody's behind him. And everybody's riding him. And whereas he's not one of these chase Hoopers, you know, he's not a Ch- Sage Northcutt. He's not really one of these guys that's like, yeah, man, this guy looks sick. Uh, Fucking who lost the other day? Bozo that won't accept it. Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, th- this guy's the real deal, man. And now I know it was Riz McKee. I know it was John Phillips. But he but made he them did look like they did didn't belong in the same exactly areas. what yeah. a man of that caliber would do to them. Now, if Gerald Muirshar fought John Phillips, he might get knocked the fuck out. But he yeah. would probably take him down and submit him. It could be a dicey fight. If he took on Riz McKee, it goes a few rounds. It's not just complete 10-7 domination. Holy shit, what the hell is happening right here? It's different. So I am all over Chimayev. But I did have a dream last night. So I'm thinking last night, all last night. That's probably why I had the dream. A How can he lose? in here. How can he lose this fight? How can he lose this fight? can't fucking figure it out. Then I'm sleeping, lying in my bed. <laughs> He's been told to <laughs> no, take Chimayev. a dive. No, Chimayev. No, no, no. And it comes to me, okay? Imagine... He is just putting a lickin' on Jerry Mearshart. And then, boom, a sick knee to the body. Mearshart falls over. Chris Toyoni runs in and says, whoa, <laughs> shot to the groin. Gives Mearshart fucking five minutes to recover. Chemayev goes back to smash, smash, smash. And the son of a bitch pulls off a Camorra. Outside of that, I don't really see Jeremy Reshar winning this fight. So I yeah, I'm on Team Chimayev and definitely got him parlayed with Colby Covington and we'll we'll get back to the other parlay piece I got him with. But uh yeah, yeah, I like some Chimayev. I am on the train.
0: We got Johnny Walker taking on Ryan, a Superman span. Uh, Walker, minus 125, span, plus 105. What's your take here?
1: Okay, so this is another greasy one. I love fading Johnny Walker. Kind of my thing. Now, it doesn't always work out for you because uh, he's had five fights in the UFC. I've actually gone three and two, picked him one single time. He's just so volatile, and I know that people like him because of the quick finishes, but there's not a whole lot of substance behind him after those quick finishes. This goes back to his debut. So, his debut, he fights Khalil Roundtree. I did fade him in that fight, and wow, what a nasty elbow. Early in the first round, top was over Khalil Roundtree. Nice win for him. Khalil didn't really go on to anything beyond that, but nice win for Johnny Walker, and he's still young, too. The Justin Ledette fight, Justin Ledette, non-contender. Again, never went to augment to anything after this, but it's a sweet little spinning back fist. Man, Johnny Walker, love it. The guy's long, he's agile, he's athletic, he's explosive. He fights Misha Cherkinov. Again, I fade him here as well. So I'm 1-1 one and one at this point, losing to Misha Cherkinov. I think Chirkunov just going to take him down. He's a way better grappler. And holy shit, Paul, a flying knee in under a minute stiffens up Misha Cherkinov. And now everybody and their mother is crying for this guy to fight John Jones. Like, they're thinking, holy shit, man, this guy can just land on anybody. Mm-hmm. But it's like, man, if you watch tape on him previous to this stuff, it's like when That's he gets caught he was... on the ground, his grappling's not all that good. His cardio is not all that good. And his technical striking, his fundamentals are awful. Yeah. But he's really explosive and he's really long. And he's really rangy. And he could just connect on you with that magical move. Now, again, I fade him in the Corey Anderson fight. And Corey Anderson, of all people, boxes the shit out of him and knocks him out with his hands. I thought he was just going to wrestle the to be honest. Mm-hmm. But knocks him out with his hands. Okay, there we go. You know why? Because Corey Corey uh, Anderson, not a great striker, but good fundamentals. That that's all it takes to beat this man. And then going into the Nikita Krylov fight, you remember I, I put a shoey bet on the on the line here. Krylov's underdog, and it's just like man, he's just way more fundamentally sound, and he's got a grappling game. He's got a takedown game, and again, he beats Johnny Walker. Now, Ryan Spann, Ryan Spann can grapple. Ryan Spann can strike. Ryan Spann's got better fundamentals. Ryan Spann's equally a long guy that can use those same weapons. The one thing is, Ryan Spann is way susceptible to crazy Johnny Walker shit. We've seen him on Contender Series get folded up in 15 seconds by those uh, Travis Brown-type elbows. We've seen him earlier in his career again, knocked out less than a minute, just the shot that lands. He's fought at 185 throughout his career. He's fought at 205. He's not exactly the biggest 205er going, whereas Mm -hmm. Johnny Walker you know, comfortably makes 205, but is just, you know, a long, freakish guy. He's got that kind of size. And I wouldn't rule it out that a backfist lands, a spinning backfist, or a flying lands, or some type of whack-ass move lands. And I wouldn't rule it out that Ryan Spann snatch- snatches up a nasty guillotine on this guy and subs him, or that Ryan Spann just beats him in the striking battle. But Ryan Spann showed against Sam Alvey that as much as there is some technical brilliance there, he's also not built for war. You know, he's not, oh, maybe I'm wrong. And If he goes three hard rounds a few more times in his career and goes through gut-check performances, sure. But he got tired against Alvin. I just think he's a bit of a quick finisher himself. He either finishes you quick or he gets a little bit tired. And Johnny Walker kind of finishes you quick or he gets a little bit tired. Mm -hmm. It could easily go both ways. This would seemingly be a dogger pass. Ryan Spanton is the dog. I guess I would be leaning ever so slightly towards the dog. But straight up, it's plus 105. So that's not enough dog money for me to actually be comfortable with that. And, and I do envision Ryan Spann could just get clean clock, clocked out. That would be a fight you want exposure to on DraftKings. 100%. However, That's the, uh... what side of it are you going to be on? I'm not so sure. Walker seems to be more durable than Span. Well, if
0: you're multi-entering, you're probably yeah. taking both sides.
1: And here's another thing, close. right? We talk about Span, and he's been knocked out quick in a few fights. But going back to Johnny Walker versus uh, Corey Anderson, Anderson had quite literally knocked out nobody. Absolutely nobody. He was just a decision machine. I like betting him because he was wow. Well, he was either getting KO'd himself or he was taking you down and grinding you down for the decision. That was it. You know, he touched Johnny Walker, hurt Johnny Walker, and then proceeded to knock him out. It was just like, oh damn? He got him pretty good there. So if either guys have potentially suspect chance, either guy fights fight kind of wild styles. They're both potent finishers, and they're both kind of one maybe two round fighters. Just so much volatility both ways that it's probably a hard pass. Mm-hmm. All right. We got
0: Mackenzie Dern taking on Ronda Marcos. Mackenzie Dern minus a 165 favorite. Ronda Marcos can be had for plus 145. I have a hard time seeing Ronda Marcos win this fight. I know Mackenzie Dern is very, 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 very limited on the feet. But I don't think there's anything stink. She's at least tough. And as long as she can hang out in this fight, all she has to do is really grab a hold of her at some point, wait for the mistake. Rana Marcos always kind of wants to grapple. When's the last time you've seen her just, like, fight a striking range game? Like, that just...
1: Eh, I've that, seen it. When? Uh, she loves just cocking up on that big right hand and waiting for that one shot to land. And As a result, doesn't, she doesn't really throw much of a pace, but... She got armbarred by Angela
0: Hill. What's gonna happen if it goes to the mat here? It's a f- it's a finish for Kenzie Dern.
1: No, she armbarred Angela Hill, but I see what you're saying. Like I, I'm y- an idiot. No, no, don't. see, I should I should have my
0: computer in front of me. No, here.
1: it's all good, man. I'm just saying, Ronda Marcos, you you have Dern here, just on the basis that she'll probably get the fight to the ground and submit her at some point. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah,
0: it's yeah. I just kind of think that's that's the direction that it goes here. Um, I know she's losing. Yeah, you're right. Armbar. I'm. I'm. I'm an idiot for. Nah, it's all that. good, bro. There's um, 14
1: fights. I and we talk about hundreds of fights. I yeah. could one slip through. All good. I don't know, man. I just
0: think. 15 minutes. It only takes one opportunity. Once she gets, she has no wrestling. Um, it's going to be a lot of trying to pull guard, maybe like dive at a leg, get a hold, create a scramble. But I think at some point she's gonna she's gonna get she's gonna catch Rhonda. I don't think Rhonda can can hang once they get down to the ground. And I think, I mean, it's women's MMA armbar from guard. Like we just we see this every single week. Eventually, it's like uh, it's like your your baby.
1: Uh, Dern could get an uh, armbar from guard for sure. Yeah, I hear you. I an- hear you.
0: Andrea Lee um, is she my baby? <laughs> it mean, was last week. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna talk about that in a second, but go on,
0: yeah. I mean, these fights just end up in these
1: positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, fair. Um yeah, pick pick for me is Dern. I'm not I don't know if I'm gonna bet it, but I'm gonna play her on DraftKings. Hopefully she's underowned. I mean, I'm probably yeah, for DraftKings when we talk about that, it's probably I'm gonna be going we've already talked about like, like price. Walker or Span haven't decided there, but one of those two and Dern. And then you can probably pay up and you'll have to punt on one person. But that's kind of where my head's at on that. What uh, What do you think about this? Do you have Ronda winning?
1: Okay, so first things first, Paul. Last week, not a great week. 7-5 and five overall, but teasing you, look at those five losses we had. Rodriguez versus Herman, which, you know, I'll let people make their own decision about that one, but that's, that's a bum way to get a loss. We got four other losses, three of which... The fucking women's MMA fights, my friend Julia Avila, just not what I expected in the slightest bit. Drops into just I, I was hesitant about that one. I'm you sure. were on Roxanne Modafferi, as were a few friends of mine bet that it I know because now, you what, talked me uh, out of it. Right, right. My bad, my bad again. Because exactly what should have happened actually did. Probably Roxanne Modafferi did get those takedowns, and Angel, or uh, sorry, Andrea Lee always getting taken down and looked lost when she was getting taken down. Anyways, anyways, you lose that, and then in the main event. However you scored it, the main thing is we got it wrong, right? And all three of them are the underdog came through. You know, Eubanks hit as the underdog. Montefiore hit as the underdog. Michelle Waterson hit as the underdog. So right off the get-go, I would be inclined to tell you don't bet this fight or just bet the underdog, right, at the very least. Beyond that. We have the great Ronda Marcos streak still in effect, people. So let's start with
0: Nah, 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 nah. I no, knew no, you, no, I knew no. You were no. Gonna and you can this... counter
1: when I get there because I okay. know, I know what I know. And we'll I, let the I knew people try to say this. Okay, let me sell, tell my piece, and then you can counter when I'm finished. She loses her UFC debut to Jessica Panay. She wins her second fight against Ashling Daly. Then she loses to Karolina Kowalczyk, but then she beat Jocelyn Jones Liebarger, but then she lost to Courtney Casey, but then she beat Carlos Sparza. But then she lost to Alessa Grasso. But then she beat Juliana Lima. But then she lost to Nina Ansarov. Draw. And then she had a draw. Okay, okay. Now that, that, throws, doesn't that throws
0: off that throws off the that throws off everything, Cody. Let me finish, Paul.
1: Let me finish. It doesn't throw off nothing, because as a result of the draw, it's a non-winner. It's inconclusive. It's like a no contest, essentially. If you had bet it, it would be a push. So let's say you simply only bet the streak, and you bet every fight in the streak without even tape researching it. You just bet the streak, okay? When you hit that draw, they would have just given you your money back. Now, the streak can only continue if she wins the fight. Press it. She lost and an answer off. The draw happens. She has to win for the streak to continue, and she beats Angela Hill with the yarn bar, but then she loses to Claudia Gedelia, but then she beats Ashley Yoder, but then she loses to Amanda Rebus. This woman has never won two fights in a row in the UFC. She has never lost two fights in a row in the UFC. That is the streak, Paul. The draw does not affect that. Yeah, I'm betting it based on the fucking streak, man. And then if you want to talk about it more technically you're betting, speaking, you're betting, yeah, no, yeah, of course I. Am. Well, I mean, come on, I've been burned on every other women's MMA fight I've bet, and I'm, I'll get burned on this one as well. So very limited exposure, but yeah, hell's yeah. And then let me just talk about it on the technical aspect of it, so that we're not just all theory and and you know bullshit. Like let's throw a little substance behind it as well, right? Mackenzie Dern just struggles with the takedowns. She has world-class jiu-jitsu, no doubt about it, but the takedowns are awful. In most of her fights she's she resolves to pull guard. Now I know what you're saying. Maybe she could just pull guard and submit round to Marcos. But if Marcos comes in with a good game plan, and listen, Marcos is a good wrestler. And beyond that, she's not a very she's not a great striker by no stretch. He's a better striker than Mackenzie Dern. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not one of these guys that's just fade Dern she's awful. Mackenzie Dern actually probably will be okay. In a few years. But she's very green, first of all. Her striking is just not very good. Her wrestling's not very good. She needs to add more wrinkles to her game beyond world-class jiu-jitsu. So here you are saying this fight probably hits the ground. Most fights eventually hit the ground. But Marcos should be the one dictating if the fight hits the ground. She's the better wrestler. If she wants to take Dern down, she can. Mm-hmm. That would be an awful call. But I think she uses the wrestling to just keep the fight standing. As far as the fight goes standing, she, she's just got the better hands. Now, you look at Mackenzie Dern. Everybody likes Mackenzie Dern because she's good looking and she's got the BJJ credentials and she comes to the UFC and right off the get-go, Paul, her UFC debut is a split decision win over Ashley Yoder. You look at her in that spot, where's that sweet submission game there? Where's, where's all this high-level BJJ credentials? But I guess Ashley Yoder knows how to grapple as well. She squeaks out a split decision, okay? Then she fights Amanda Cooper. My God, she does not look good early in that fight and she can't get it to the ground. But she drops Amanda Cooper with a shot. Holy shit, never saw that one coming. Drops Cooper, submits her. Again, doesn't really look all that good. Then she gets Amanda Rebus. Well, Amanda Rebus is legit. Amanda Rebus is also the last person to defeat uh, Ronda Marcos. And she loses that fight, convincingly. There was the fighter that we kind of expected at a turn. Maybe she'll make improvements. But the only other fight she's had since then is the Hannah Cyphers fight. And once again, she's getting outstruck standing by Hannah Cyphers. Until Hannah Cyphers makes a boneheaded call. And decides to play the ground game and gets submitted. Marcos just has to avoid that. Keep the fight standing. And she will outstruck Mackenzie Dern. She can go three rounds. She just got to watch out for the slip-up. And even if she does make that slip-up and does hit the ground, yeah, like she's been submitted twice in her career. Once unofficially on, I think it was on uh, Tough, she got submitted by Rose Nama Yunus What the fuck? It's Rose Nama Yunus And she did get submitted by Courtney Casey, who's a BJJ Blackbell. Whatever. What I'm saying is even if it does hit the ground, survive long enough to either get back up or get, the, get out of the round and then just go back to what you're doing. Keep the fight standing and boxing up. Because it's 145 dog money, that's what would make me lean on Marcos. I would not bet Mackenzie Dern at minus 165. I don't think she's got it. She doesn't got enough for me to really like that. And then on top of that, I'm just talking about how you know how Pat made the comment a few weeks ago. He's like, what if you just bet the underdog in all these women's MMA fight? Would you be up? And it's like, no, I'm fucking right, you'd be up. You'd be up pretty good. And I'm not saying that this is just going to follow the trend. It's not all trends and patterns. What I'm saying is you should not feel safe with having a grappling advantage in this, in this spot as enough to better at minus 165. Mm-hmm. So I hate to tell you either pass again, but it's dog or pass. And I'd be leaning towards the dog. Although, of course, I've just got such a bad record right now with WMMA that maybe I should pass personally. <laughs> I'm a degenerate. I'm not Rana Marcos. Moving on. We got uh, Kevin Holland taking on
0: Darren Stewart. Kevin Holland, minus 255 favorite. Darren Stewart, plus 215. Darren Stewart's never been knocked out. That is a concern here. And Kevin Holland, although he has looked incredibly improved the last couple fights, um, looks like everything is kind of coming together. I feel like him doing stupid, stupid shit inside of the octagon has not disappeared from us. Um, there isn't a line out on, and the one thing Darren Stewart's got, he's got a pretty nasty guillotine, if he can, uh, if he can get it into a scrambly mess, maybe latch latch to that, plus 215, it's not that, I think Kevin Holland wins this fight more often than not, and the, the actual fight odds may not actually be all that bad, but... Uh, When a Darren Stewart by submission prop comes out, I may be... In, interesting really? well I see him inside the distance right now I was just looking at that That'd on be my nice phone a nice juicy price of it it's plus 435 mm-hmm. I see right now just inside the distance hopefully what's they... him
1: by decision
0: have uh, you looked at that I mean I wish I had yeah no it's all it's I all mean I it. can look it up but I've got a I've got a phone in front of me um what we got here Darren Stewart by decision is plus 445 it's okay. the price, price. Oh, About the same
1: okay okay I, I, I could
0: see, I could see, De- I could see Kevin Holland, who has looked way better. He's got super long reach, got all of the intangibles. He just kind of makes dumb decisions while he's in the cage. Obviously, his last fight against Joaquin Buckley, I mean, his tailor made matchup. It was um, a weird
1: fight, though, man. Buckley was throwing heat. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: But he had all the advantages. He was able to fight it, yeah. at, at distance, and he fought very, very smart. That was the best. The last couple of fights, you've seen him actually use his skills. It was like. He, if he goes back to that der- or the Gerald Mearshart uh, oh, that was type a of fight, yeah, yeah oh, super yeah. sloppy, lots of grappling. Like he's got to stay away from grappling. Yeah, because... Mearshart's
1: going to outgrapple Chamaya. Oh, fuck, yeah, yeah. Watch that Holland fight if you'd like. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't. Or- I don't <laughs> understand <laughs> I mean, where people's I mean, is. head
0: at is on that one. But um honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like the only thing I have, I'm not. I'm not. Big on adding Kevin Holland at minus 255 against Darren Stewart, who's fought some decent guys. And I think Darren Stewart, as well as Holland, has been making some significant improvements over the last couple of years. Um, Yeah, I'll see what that submission prop comes out as. I could see them just kind of getting a little bit sloppy later in the fight and them latching on to one. But otherwise, it's a stay away for me. Uh, right now what about you
1: yeah you know know, i agree actually darren stewart has been making low-key improvements as well it just doesn't really shine in comparison to kevin holland who's taking out fluffy hernandez in 30 seconds and you know he's he's so long and ranging he fights that kind of fun style and there's a bit of like the karate in there i just feel like that draws more eyeballs than darren stewart low-key putting in work Darren Stewart, low-key, working on his, his submission defense, his grappling, I mean, his takedowns, working on his... His striking's actually not bad, but putting it together a little bit more. I honestly feel like he's been making improvements as well. They're only two years apart, 27 years old for Holland. Again, Holland's going to figure out how to put his gifts together eventually. But when he's in there, it's like flashes of brilliance and just like, oh, no, what are you doing? And like you said, his last two fights probably looked his best. But realistically, when he smokes out Hernandez so fast, not much you can really take away about how good he looked in that fight. But outside of that, you look go to that Joaquin Buckley fight. Like, yeah, he looks good, but he fights a dumb game plan. Buckley is literally just throwing caution to the wind. He's way shorter than him. He's just sitting in the pocket and he's chucking. And Holland just allows himself to fight to that game plan. For a guy that's that rangy, he hasn't really quite figured out how to use that range. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he uses it, but for the most part, he just allows you to move into the pocket and have your way. And Darren Stewart just kind of—I I just feel like he's too big of an underdog that I would say plus two fifteen is very tempting price to look at Darren Stewart. I'm thinking more Darren Stewart by decision. Going back to that Buckley fight, I really do think that Buckley could have put some money in the bank and won some of those rounds. As a result, he just went guns a blazing, got really tired. And if you look how that motherfucker's built, holy shit, he, man. Yeah. How are you going to fight 15 minutes throwing hammers like that, dog?
0: He was the loudest Woo. breather I think I've ever...
1: Yeah, if, you go, walk, a... if you
0: go back and watch that fight, it was like, yeah, is yeah. this guy tired or does he just breathe really loud? Took the fight on
1: short notice as
0: well. And it was an empty arena, of course, because of COVID, but all you could hear is this. <sighs>
1: And Joaquin Buckley had previously just been a regional show fighter, and that, that was about it. Taking the fight on short notice and just threw down on Holland and had a lot of success. Mm-hmm. And then when I, about, when I think about Stewart and I think about just those improvements and that progress, realistically speaking, this is his record here, right? Um, he's underdog against like, Eric Spicely, underdog against Charles Byrd. The Edmund Shabazian fight, I gave him a pass. Split decision. Shabazian was supposed to be the shit at the time. He gave him a go. It was a split, whatever. But Vaughn Lewis, is the underdog, and man, bavon was supposed to be the man training out of greg jackson's alongside john jones mega prospect beats bavon lewis nice deron Wynn. oh this guy's a mega prospect training out at aka with daniel cormier oh, fuck beat him too then he got bartosed mm-hmm. which i will definitely give you a pass for and then you know, and the that was the in Tolo cage warriors
0: it was supposed to be a ufc card is what it is Shit it is a weird around. week
1: and then but then he redeems himself. He comes out there against Mackie Patolo. They do throw down. Mackie's obviously a good boxer. And Mackie's a good boxer in the first round. But, I mean, Stewart hangs with him long enough to snatch up that guillotine, and then he puts him away with it. This guy's versatile. Again, he's only 29 years old. And I don't think he went back to the to England, because otherwise he'd be in the Fight Island card coming up. Instead, he must have stayed in Vegas. Yeah, I honestly do think he'll come in a decent shape. And Holland just has – he leaves these spots for you to, again, put money in the bank and secure rounds. And And I think Darren Stewart could pull off the underdog. Of the underdog victory straight up at plus 215. But furthermore, I don't know that he finishes Kevin Holland. I think it more so just because one of these fights that eventually gets kind of sloppier, Stewart does the better work with the striking, Stewart maybe secures a takedown late in the round and ends up greasing out a 29-28, maybe even the split. But then that plus 440 as a Darren Stewart by decision victory would look definitely appealing as a potential punt. And we'll talk about DraftKings at the end of the show, but I, I don't think there's a ton of value on this fight for the DraftKings side. of th- Well, maybe like you said, Stewart 7100. If he pulls off the guillotine, or if he can tire Holland out. Yeah, if Holland does something really, really dumb,
0: puts himself in trouble early. But on, Holland he 9100, onto it. like
1: no chance. I mean, I, Darren Stewart's never been no knocked.
0: He's that. never been knocked out. He has been submitted. I don't see that as a real threat from Kevin Holland. So. I don't.
1: No, you're right. I don't.
0: So uh, yeah, let's move on. Um... I think we I think we think that Holland should be favored. Just minus yeah, oh, minus 255. It's just it's, it's not a little bit too up. wide. It's probably closer to uh to a 60-40 split type of situation in my opinion. Uh we got Maria Bueno Silva taking on Mara Romero Barella Silva minus 245. Barella plus 205. You are saying that you are terrified of women's MMA. Well, Cody, we got we got a couple more on the on the slate for you here. What do you think about this matchup?
1: I'm thinking if you could specifically bet a prop of armbar from guard, that this one would have a very high likelihood of being that armbar from guard. Especially when you look at uh, when you look at Silva's fight versus Julian uh, Robertson, it's just like, oh yeah, 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 armbar from guard would be definitely live in this one. Honestly, man, it's just not a good fight to get a read on based on just look who we're talking about. The numbers for us haven't exactly been good on these spots and. She's just uh, with, uh, we'll start we'll, we'll start with uh, Maria Bueno Silva, not Mara Romero Barella. Fucking mm-hmm. similar names, man. But with Buena Silva, um, she's a shoot-to-box stylist, right? So she's got that aggressive Muay Thai, likes to march forward. She's got the better striking than Barella. I completely agree. I think she outstrikes strikes Barella if the fight stays standing. As far as the fight goes on the wrestling side of things, it's probably fairly comparable. Barella's shown that she can get the fight to the ground. She doesn't have terrible grappling, but... Whereas, well, I shouldn't say grappling. Her wrestling's okay, but when she does get the fight to the ground, that's where it kind of was her bread and butter. That's how she's going to win fights. But seeing the Corny Casey fight again, another armbar from guard situation, mm-hmm. it's like it's just not trustworthy. It's kind—I of, don't want to last three fights. So. I don't want to call it low-level grappling, but it's just like it's not—it's not super high level. So I think it could go either way in that regard. Uh, if Borella's going to pull this off as the underdog, she gets the takedowns, she outgrinds her, she maybe grinds her up against the cage, she slows this fight down right to a halt, and then picks up a decision. Where if Silva wins this fight, she's just going to outstrike her, she's going to march her down, she's going to beat on her, or she could eventually pop up that submission as well. So yeah, I think Silva for sure. But, minus 245, I literally want absolutely no exposure to that whatsoever. And uh, most books cap you, well, not actually most books, a lot of books cap you at 12-fight parlays, that kind of thing. That's just telling you, cut off the ones that you absolutely... Shouldn't be a part of it. That's it. Brella three fight losing streak. Like you said, she's getting up there in age. Even though she's an ATT fighter, and I think she's a BJJ black belt, she just hasn't shown you enough. But B- this B-J- is just this is just one Brella's of the spots. a BJJ black belt. I'm pretty sure she is. Didn't they announce that when she she debuted in the UFC and she beat uh, clear Feria? Remember that? It was a big underdog. Kalidra Feria. Kalindra Feria, yeah. and she she cashes a plus one ninety underdog in that spot. Made twelve and twelve. Cash is as the underdog in that spot, and it was just like, oh, our BJJ is pretty good. And then right away, she fights Caitlin Shukagi, and there's like a top contender. It's like, oh, man. And she just gets danced around, absolutely not in it. Yeah. Taylor Santos, it was a split decision. Taylor Santos was undefeated. Taylor Santos has actually looked a lot better in her last fight, but just dropped down, what, a, a two weight classes, I believe. And then, yeah, Lauren Murphy, Montana De La Rosa, Courtney Casey. Those are all mid pack, mostly grapplers. That's not what she's facing here in Silva, who's a mid pack striker. Maybe she can use her grappling to her advantage for a change. I'm just not really sold on it whatsoever. And by the way, Jillian Robertson's a decent grappler. Mm-hmm. Silva was able to catch her with the armbar in the first round. So, like, yeah, submission definitely on the table. Fair. N- low key, Silva will probably submit Barella in the first round. And whereas I won't give a shit, the 9,000 on DraftKings, because she's a b- very high price tag in DraftKings, should be low ownership and could theoretically score pretty good. So she, I-, I could see her being on, like, Maybe an optimal lineup, or at least a good lineup, just based on low ownership. I mean, there's so many fights, though. Yeah, and just better options at that 9,000 range, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, do you like Silva over fucking Borella or do you like Kevin Holland for $100 more than Darren Stewart? I don't like Kevin Holland. No, no, I don't don't at all. It's $100 more. Like, I think Silva could go out there and get that first round, finish And By the way, she's got a lot of advantage. Better striker, better output, better cardio, stronger, younger, more versatile, but women's MMA, man.
0: All right let's rip through the there's so many fights on this card um, and I'm not going to lie I haven't done tape on it's hard uh, to, especially most coming of off them. Contender series last night yeah we, we're, we're doing like three different sports this week. it's been uh, it's been well, tough we, keeping up with the at the best it. of times and we then they, then off, they sure. drop this 15- fight card on us. Yeah. Uh, David Dvorak te- takes on jo- Jordan Espinosa Div- it's a pick them uh, Dvorak minus 110 Espinosa minus 110. You have any loons here?
1: Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go with David Dvorak on this one. Coming into the UFC, his regional show career actually looked pretty decent. He was like 17-3 and 3 on the regional show and just smashing these guys, man, smashing them in like various ways. I mean, his ground game looks pretty good. His wrestling looks pretty good. His takedown defense looks pretty good. striking looks fairly adequate. The one thing is, is how does a guy with 20 pro fights on the Czech regional scene going to fare in the UFC against le- legitimate UFC competition? Now he didn't get UFC legitimate UFC competition, I should say, in his debut against Bruno Silva. But Bruno Silva, you know, he's a training partner, Henry Cejudo and the Pipple Brothers out of Arizona. You know, he's, already, he's got UFC experience. He's kind of, he's fought in the ultimate fighter. Um, he, he's just, he's fought for LFA. He's a more experienced guy. I actually did pick Bruno Silva in that spot. Bruno Silva hurts Dvorak, drops him in the first round. And outside of that, like Dvorak gets dropped, gets back up and just keeps going. And holy shit, this guy's strong. Bruno Silva's trying to take him down. Can not take him down. And Dvorak, good gas day, just keeps going. Then he gets the victory, earned victory. It was a close fight. I seen some people crying robbery. It wasn't robbery. Right guy won. And I had Bruno Silva. Right guy won with Dvorak. And then it's like, you know what? This guy's okay. I'd like to see him develop a little bit. But what I saw was okay. It was his UFC debut. Let's improve on that and get better. With Jordan Espinosa, he's been on my radar for a long time. The guy's a freak athlete. But beyond that, Kind of gases a little bit after the first round. It's just that like fast twitch movement. He's almost like a John Dodson in a way, where it's like that first round. I mean, his wrestling is just badass. He was a really good high school wrestler. Didn't wrestle at a very high level collegiately, but again, you see his movement. And if even if he's not wrestling, just his movement, his footwork. He's very athletic. He's very mobile. He, he shows you a look. But if he doesn't get those takedowns on you, and he's forced to strike with you, he can get chopped up. And as far as being on the ground, he can get submitted. And I honestly think that Dvorak is kind of like a brick shit house. I think mean, he's just like a tough dude. And that should be enough to get the win over Espinoza. Espinoza probably goes out there in the first round and tries to push the pace with the takedowns. Maybe he does get the takedowns, but Dvorak's takedown defense checks out—really not that bad. And even if he does get him down, I think he's going to just Dvorak will either get it back up or he's going to cost Espinoza energy. Second and the third round going to be closer, going to be more competitive. But Dvorak's going to outstrike him, keep the fight standing, chop away at him. Either finishes him late or picks up that decision. This, this is what—it's the only—it's the only even money fight on the card, right? One ten mm-hmm. side you know, it's a, it's a coin flip. I, I get to work on that coin flip.
0: Now we got uh, Jessica Rose Clark taking on Sarah Alpar. Minus 225, Jessica Rose Clark, plus 185 Alpar. um, I have no idea. I have no idea about this fight. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, all good. So I don't know who Sarah Alpar is. Explain that to me.
1: Uh, so basically, it's got just more apple pie shit written all over it. Because uh, Sarah Alpar, uh, not somebody that's competed a whole lot in her career. I mean, she's already 30... Sorry, she's 29 years old. Um, she got the Contender Series contract with a winner over Shayna Young, right? So she submits Shayna Young. She gets the win. She gets the contract. And then she was supposed to fight Duda Santana in her UFC debut back in, like, uh, March or I think it was May. She's supposed to fight Duda Santana. Gets canceled due to coronavirus. Whatever. She's been on layoff. So now you figure, geez, that fight over Shayna Young was almost exactly a year ago. So you have somebody making their official UFC debut coming off a year-long layoff. Okay, we've got questions right off the get-go. Her losses, they're a long time ago. Karina Dam, Karina Dam was once upon a time a top fighter, and that's four years ago. She just hasn't fought a whole lot after that. She fought once in 2017, once in 2018, once in 2019. This is going to be her first fight of 2020. What we do know about her, especially through her contender series fight with Young, is that uh, she's a pretty big, physically strong girl. She's got some decent wrestling, I suppose. The question here is, is that wrestling enough to beat Jessica Rose Clark, who seemingly has got her outgunned in terms of better striking, potentially better output, certainly better experience. She's been in much higher spots. But this is her official, I think it's her official Bantamweight debut. So she's moving up to 135 pounds to take on Alpar. and Alpar's got decent size for 135 to begin with and is the better wrestler. So you would want to say Jessica Rose Clark because she's got the experience. She seemed to be a little bit of a crisper fighter. There was a time where Jessie Jess Rose Clark, when she was still back in Australia New Zealand, still kicking in that scene, she looked just real raw and, like, brute not super athletic. But she spent a lot of time in Las Vegas just, like, working hard. She's got a great work ethic, and she's made a lot of improvements. I would say that she should be the favorite. She should definitely go out there and defeat Sarah Alpar. One, we're going right back to the WMMA. I don't really want no part of this. And two, as much as we can say that, she, her, bigger, one of her biggest, like, uh, one of her biggest threats is her size at 125. She's big and she's strong. If you look back at her UFC debut against Beck Rawlings, Beck Rawlings made a career of being just physical at 115. Rawlings comes up to 125, not nearly as physical as Jesse Jess Rose Clark, loses the fight. That's her physicality. That's carried her to where she is, not technique. Physicality. she gives up that physicality going to 135 to Sarah Alpar, and Sarah Alpar is able to take her down and just control her on the ground, then I can see Alpar picking up a decision here as well. Last thing I want to say, Jesse Jess Rose-Clark, super fun to watch on uh, social media. Got a pretty good social media presence. But her whole thing moving up to this weight class is just like Thick Girls Club, like Thick Girls Club, too seasonal thick, by the way. And, it, and it's just, like, her lifting weights and, like, the ass on this girl. I'm like, God damn! And then just, like, she's she's definitely filling out to the 135 frame, no doubt about it. But I don't know that she's naturally got that 135 frame right now. So Alpar could just be a live underdog on the consensus of, if Pat was here, he'd tell you, blindly bet the big underdog in these spots. And uh, Alpar checks out in that regard. But I, I do agree that Jess Rose Clark should get the victory based on experience, and technique, she will be on the PRP at the end of the show, it's just not a spot that I personally like. I'm, I'm going to pass a lot on on these uh, women's fight systems. I'm going to pass
0: a lot on this entire undercard, unless unless I find some time during the week to uh, do some tape or I see something at the weigh-ins. I'm not going to lie, this is a uh, this this is I uh, I don't have very much on uh, a bunch of this prelims. To be perfectly honest, we'll, we'll um, get through it then. Journey Newsom takes on like it's just so much filler at this point. Uh Journey Newsom takes on Randy Costa -140 Newsom Randy Costa +120. I mean, bunch of contender series guys. Slap them in. Get them in here. Like I don't I don't know, man. Um I'm I'm running out of I'm running out of things to say on this card.
1: Well, just keep passing, man. Throw it over here. We'll get through them. It's no big deal. Anyways, talking about Randy Costa, the problem with Randy Costa is that he's very young still, 26 years old, but he's very raw. You look at his entire amateur career, he's just finishing guys in the first round. You look at his his entire professional career, finishing guys in the first round. Pro debut, 46 seconds. Second fight, 11 seconds. Third fight, a minute and 11 seconds. Fourth fight, 42 seconds. And then he makes his UFC debut. How can you make your UFC debut when you have under five minutes of professional cage time? But he's a training partner of Joe Lozon. He's at a Lozon MMA. People on the East Coast really like this kid. And again, he's only 26. He's making those improvements. He seems to have some like nasty power. We talk about the death touch. At least Negro Price has proven us he's got the death touch. You know, this kid's got a ways to go still. But from what he's at least shown on tape, man, guy can hit. Now, he makes his UFC debut against Brandon Davis. Tough spot for him considering Davis got 15 pro fights versus this kid who's got less than five minutes of cage time. And as a result, he lays it on Brandon Davis the first round, but Davis just takes it. In the second round, oh, now Randy is unfamiliar territory. What's the second round like? Tires out, and Davis just works him over, ends up submitting him uh, in the second round, win for him. Now he gets the Boston Salmon fight. And you know what? Maybe he does got this death touch because he hits Boston Salmon and he knocks him out. Nice little win for Costa. I think this guy is going to be making improvements. I think this guy is dangerous. I think this guy might be able to catch Journey nuson But straight up, I don't mind Journey Newsom. Journey newsom has got decent boxing pedigree, like decent fundamentals. And as far as his UFC career goes, his UFC debut against Ricardo Ramos, short notice, just skill differential, like big skill gap here, right? Comes into the UFC, gives a good account of himself in the first round, hurts him with the leg kicks, boxing looks on point, but eventually he slips up, he ends up losing the unanimous decision. Then his second fight against Domingo Parte. He blasts Pilarte 38 seconds in the first round with the overhand right. Just flatlines this man. But then it turns out he was smoking the weed and they gave him a no contest on it. Maybe people are now looking at the fact that this guy's winless in the UFC. It's like, no, no, no. He's coming along. He's doing some good. His father was actually a professional boxer as well. Something that runs in his family. And I would honestly look at this spot as a case of Randy Costa is a good striker, but Journey Newsom is going to be adequate enough to defend himself standing. And if Costa doesn't get that first round finish, I can see him gassing out again. Newsom pulling away rounds two, rounds three, getting him low key as well. I think Newsom has a wrestling advantage. So if you can just get Randy Costa tired after the first round, you might be able to take him down, outgrapple him a little bit. Anyways, like you said, it's not a pretty spot. It's not the kind of spot you'd have a ton of faith in. Um, but for minus 140, I, I would pick Journey Newsom.
0: Andre Ewell takes on Erwin Rivera. Andre Ewell, minus 210 favorite. Rivera can be had for plus 175. 7-inch reach advantage for Andre Ewell here. He should be able to land, uh, you know, dominate early on in fights. But we have seen him slow down as the fight goes on. Erwin Rivera, on the other hand... I mean, he can take a hellacious beating, and he's just going to keep moving forward. Interesting style matchup. Who you have winning this one?
1: Yeah, I got to go with Andre Ull. And listen, I mean, is he the kind of guy that shit my apple pie a few times? Yes, most definitely. In fact, he shit my apple pie last time out, and it was a robbery decision over Jonathan Martinez that got it done. But I can't take away anything from Andre is that He's super long for the division, right? He plays to his skills. I don't like him in the sense that he just stays with the outside pot shots. But because he's got seventy-five inch reach on him at one hundred and thirty-five pounds, he can kind of get away with it. Stand on the outside and just pot shot you. You have to make the move on him. You have to close this gap. His wrestling defense not very good. He's got a good guillotine choke on him. His grappling's okay enough to survive, anyways. But like that's not his wheelhouse. His wheelhouse is pot shot from the outside. Whereas that's not going to get you very far. And I don't think him, he, him being an elite level talent by no stretch of the imagination. That's more than enough to beat Irwin Rivera. Now Irwin Rivera not bad and a striker. As far as striker versus striker goes, Erwin Rivera, you could convince me, is the better striker. Maybe he's a little cleaner. The difference here is though Erwin Rivera does not deal with reach well whatsoever. See, Erwin Rivera's only got a 68-inch reach on him. So not only is he just always giving up the reach advantage, he's giving up a fucking 7-inch reach mm-hmm. advantage in this spot. And that becomes incredibly worrisome because Ul just, that's what he plays off of. He plays off of the reach advantage. He just wants to stay on the outside and pot shot. So now Erwin Rivera needs to either take him down or close the distance and strike him. See, taking him down is going to be a problem because Erwin Verge is not a wrestler, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. a striker. He's a short striker. Spent a lot of time at the Black Zillions camp. Henry Hoof and those guys. I don't think he's going to be able to spring the takedown game and at least stay with it consistently enough to make that his path to victory. So now we got the striking game. And look at his debut against Giga Chakats. Yes, it's short notice. And yes, he moves up to 145. The key takeaway here, though, is because he's up a weight class, Giga is bigger than him. And Giga's already a long-range fighter to begin with. And uh, Erwin Rivera, is just, he's almost half lost out there. Like He just doesn't really have an answer for that, that distance. So I don't think this is going to be a pretty fight. I think it's going to be a hustle up. A- and I think that Andre Ouel is going to get that hustle up. Minus 210, I'm going to take him by decision to get a better price. Erwin Rivera durable. And pot-shotting a guy from distance, not a good way to finish a guy, to be honest. So Andre Ull is going to get a better price off the 210 by making it by decision.
0: we got TJ Laramie taking on Derek Minner. TJ Laramie, minus 210, favorite Derek Minner, plus 245. I mean, I look through TJ Laramie, a local guy here. You know a ton about him uh, from your work at Fight Network. Fight Network over the years. Um, I mean, I see two knockout losses on his career. The only way Derek Minner typically wins fights is.
1: Get after it. Here. Get
0: after it. Get after it early. Can he land the big punch here and come through as a plus two forty five underdog? What's your th- What's your take?
1: Yeah, I mean it's a fistfight. Anything can happen. And with Derek Minner, I mean he certainly uh, goes for it all times. <clears throat> with one thing with Derek Minner is that it's almost funny how Dana White just preaches finishes and entertaining fights, and you should go out there and you should put it all on the line. He wants guys like that. Derek Minner is a hundred percent that. And then what does he do? Mm, fight for a contract against Herbert Burns. It's like, oh, man, he, what's he going to do against Herbert Burns? He can't grapple him. Okay, fair. UC debut against Grant Dawson. It's like, oh, man, that's a tough UC debut. Now he gets TJ Laramie. It's like he's not – he's getting put in spots where, like, his really flashy grappling and, like, his really quick finish you in one round. It's just he's not able to utilize it because, like, these guys are actually good. So T.J. Laramie, yeah, it's a good spot here. He's making his UFC debut. He has both of his pro losses. Sorry, he's got three pro losses. His, you, his first pro loss against Vince Murdoch, it's a split decision, total fucking bullshit robbery. Happens in Michigan. Vince Murdoch's from Michigan. Both I, They became friends laterward, afterwards at uh, Team Alpha Male in Sacramento. But anyways, it's in Michigan. It's a flat robbery. Even the local Michigan crowd starts booing and throwing shit. Just flat robbery. You shouldn't even count it. But then both of his losses after that are Alex Morgan. The first time it's early stoppage. He gets caught early in the fight against Alex Morgan. He gets folds over. The ref just stops it. Again, he's in enemy territory in Quebec. The crowd is raucous, all Alex Morgan fans. The second that the referee had the opportunity to stop it, he stops it. The only fair thing to do is run it back. And then there's the problem. When they do run it back, Lar- Laramie looks good until Alex Morgan catches him. But beyond that, it's like he's just so young. And this is a guy that's like bred for combat. I mean, him and his younger brother, Tony Laramie, who you will be seeing in the UFC, are just like specimens of that new generation. You always think about guys that got into fighting a little bit later. Like these guys got into it right off the get-go. Now, like what are the credentials? Are they former Golden Glove champions? Are they former collegiate wrestling standouts? Are they BJJ black belts? Like no, none of them. Now they're the above. They do everything. They learn right from the get-go, do everything. They've trained with some of the best guys in the Canadian area. and And once they excelled past the Canadian area, then he's gone to Michigan, he's gone to Las Vegas, gone to Team Alpha Male. TJ Laramie's done everything in his power to become the best fighter he can. The one thing I will give him, that it will be the knock on him going forward beyond this fight, I, I have him all day over Derek Minner. I honestly think he could just keep the fight standing. He has strikes Derek Minner, he beats him. Once uh, Minner gets tired in the second round, probably second round TKO TJ Laramie. TJ Laramie does decide to take him down. I think he just throts off the submission attempts. And is able to able to outgrapple Derek Minner till Derek Minner eventually gets tired. TJ Laramie gets the win. I got Laramie. He's in a parlay, obviously, with our two other favorite picks. Are my two favorite picks, I should say. But Colby Covington, Kazma Chmaev, TJ Laramie. That's definitely a parlay that I got rolling. And uh, I think TJ Laramie's a stud. The one thing I will throw out, is going beyond this Derek Minner fight, going beyond TJ Laramie's first, second, third fight in the UFC, the one thing to bar note on is that he's listed at five foot six. Don't think he's five foot six. He's five foot five, and that that that's a factor to me because there's no other featherweights in the UFC that are five foot five. I know on Contender Series they list him at five foot six. If you watch his TKO MMA fights, he's listed at five foot five. If you've met him, he's five foot five. Mm -hmm. That it puts him as the shortest featherweight in the on the UFC's roster, and there's a lot of featherweights on the UFC roster. It also basically puts him as like the shortest featherweight in the UFC's roster for a very long time, outside of Jimmy Rivera, who's also five foot four, is a weight did take one fight at 145 during this pandemic. Outside of that, it's just like, I don't know that he's got the frame to be an elite featherweight. Now, I think all day, this guy could be an elite bantamweight, but he's just too thick to beat, to make 135. The weight cut just kills him too much. So he's a promising prospect, and I think he is going to get better, and he could definitely prove me wrong. I think he's got all the skills here. Better striker, better wrestler, better grappler. He's young, he's confident. He's coming off the contender series fight against Daniel Swain, where he took no damage. Jumped right back into camp. He should be able to go out there and take out Derek Minor. I got a lot of faith in him. It's just, it's going to be interesting to me seeing where he goes beyond this at 145 pounds. Where I think that once he gives up that reach and that height and that power to all these other guys, that Alex Morgan situation could definitely creep back up, where a big strong guy holds his ground, counters him with a big right hand, and uh, chin checks him. Right. So, anyways, I got Larry me here.
0: Tyson Lan- Tyson Nam was supposed to fight last week. Opponent pulls out due to COVID, which, you know, everybody on this card is uh, ripe for the taking. We're still in Vegas, so who knows? We'll probably end up from a 14 card. It'll Half be like, a, card it'll be like an 8 point card by the yeah, time we get to course. Saturday. Um, Tyson Nam, minus 175. Jerome Rivera um, is plus 155. I, I uh, caught a little bit of your uh, live stream... On uh, odds10.com, odds.com. odds.com last night, and it sounded like you were leaning towards the underdog Rivera in this spot. No, that's what it sounded like on did the show. It. Yeah, did they it. all they all said Tyson Nam should roll, and then you disagreed with them. Well, I don't know if that's we went that. That's what it seemed like
1: far. to me. Well, I don't know. I, I would say I like Jerome Rivera. I think Jerome Rivera could be a fun prospect in the division. It's just not a good stylistical matchup for him because he needs to rely on his on his grappling chops. And against Tyson Nam, Tyson Nam's got a 100% takedown defense in the UFC, a guy that spent a lot of time in Portland, Oregon, a, lot of, a guy that's very hard to take down. I don't know that Jerome Vera takes him down. Jerome Vera, as much as I think he's fun, I'm, I think he's fun because of his, back, his days back in like uh, the LFA scene. But uh, Roberto Sanchez eventually made it to the UFC, submits him. And then Brendan Roy Valve eventually makes the UFC. It was a injury, like a hand injury. It was a dislocated elbow, I think, 40 seconds into the fight. N- no problem about that. It's beyond that. It's the, it's a contender series fight with Luis Rodriguez. I didn't think he won the fight, man. I didn't think he won the fight at all. He was a, I had him bet because I was a big fan of him again from back from his LFA days. I thought he was a young prospect, good grappler, wily. Well I think he was very generous to get the win over Luis Rodriguez to eventually sign with the UFC. And now he's in the spot against Tyson Nam. Well, if you don't take Tyson Nam down, and I don't think he will, he needs to strike with him. And he's so green with the striking still, Paul. He doesn't throw a whole lot standing. And Tyson Nam don't throw a whole lot either. But you at least got to outwork Tyson Nam, which Matt Schnell had the possibility of doing. But I thought Tyson Nam was going to line up Schnell eventually, hit him, and knock him out. And if you weren't able to tight down Tyson Nam, which I didn't think Schnell would, you had to stand with him. You had to just go on output, Schnell is doesn't have a great chin. I had Tyson Nam there. Looking at this spot, Rivera needs to get the fight to the ground. But again, I don't see him taking down Tyson Nam. So now he's got to stand with him, but he doesn't have that output. He's actually a worse striker than, than Matt Chanel. So, So definitely Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam also minus 175 is not a bad price tag. I would like to say Tyson Nam by decision, just on the basis that he doesn't throw a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy that, if he does hit you, he will knock you out. And Jerome Lavera is officially making his UFC debut, coming off a robbery decision over Luis Rodriguez effectively six weeks ago, right? Tyson Nam was getting ready to fight last week. He's ready to go. He's had his full camp, you know, he's got no injuries, or at least he didn't you know wasn't pulling out of his matchup with an injury. All the same, Tyson Nam, minus 175. I'd like to try to get it Nam by decision, but I don't think I will. I think I'll just take it straight up, 175.
0: And finally, no DraftKings pricing or boards on this one. Late add to the card. Miguel Baeza takes on Jeremiah Wells. Baeza, minus 330 favorite. It's only on, like, one book across the internet from what I see right now. Uh, Wells can be had four plus 270. Baeza coming off of the win over Matt Brown. He kind of, I mean...
1: I mean, fucking! I had Brown, and I thought Brown. I had, had Brown a chance. Too. I he, thought Brown had a chance. Things to win were looking
0: it. good, and then he knocked out Matt Brown. Not an easy yeah. task to do. So he earned some of my he earned some respect from me that day. I don't know much about Wells in this situation. I see that he's the number one prospect coming out of Pennsylvania in his weight class. Yeah. Um. The Baeza's got intangibles like the long, long, long limbs, decent power. I wasn't very impressed. That's why I was trying to fade him against Matt Brown last time out. So is this, is this a spot where it's a little bit too much juice or should he roll through Jeremiah Wells?
1: Well, it's just a tough spot for Jeremiah Wells. I mean, he's making his UFC debut, and he's no spring chicken. I mean, he's 33 years old. I think he's like four weeks shy of his 34th birthday. But this is a spot where the UFC needs bodies. They need guys to come in, and, and this is a late addition of the card. These cards have been falling off. That's why the UFC eventually did learn their lesson and said, you know what, let's just put 14, 15 fights on it, knowing that it'll drop down too to 12 much. or 11. It is too much. But this is just a fight that just got thrown over late. So with Jeremiah Wells, to get that call, oh, man, here's your UFC debut. It's like, oh, dude, I didn't have to go through the Contender Series. I didn't have to go through some crazy victory to win the LFA title. I didn't have to do any of that. I'm just getting the call up here to take on Beza. Beza, they like Beza. He's undefeated. He actually did fight in Contender Series and got the contract. And since then, to give Miguel Beza the Matt Brown fight shows the confidence in him that, hey, we like this kid. Because Matt Brown's a a good, savvy veteran with a name. And you give those guys to guys that you're trying to build up a little bit. Beza Jiu-Jitsu's okay. His power leads something to imagination, but he's fluid, he's quick, and he's got some pow-pow, man, for sure. Now, his chin had seemingly checked out. You know, a guy can take a punch. But I'll admit, I mean, he got crisped a couple of times by Matt Brown. Hurt, not knocked out, and definitely recovers. So maybe that, that shows that he can take a punch, as opposed to, oh, man, he was seriously hurt in that fight. No mind Beza. With Jeremiah Wells, he beat a friend of mine, Scott Hudson, seven years ago. 7 years ago and I have been following him since then. His problem is that he's just super infrequent. So, 1 fight in 2012 beats my boy Scott Hudson in tw- 2013, 1 fight in 2014 takes 2015 off, beats the infamous Manny Wallow. you'll know him if you know Phoenix Jones. In 2016, 1 fight in 2017, which was a draw, 1 fight in 20 20- sorry, in 2018 he kicks it back up, wins 3, but then he loses to Vinicius de-, de Jesus in 2019 and uh, it seems like, sorry, he's fought he's fought a few more times in 2018 and 2019, and then now he takes a year-long gap to make his UFC debut. I think he's actually got a grappling, uh, probably, a am going to say a grappling advantage, but he, he's decent with his grappling. He's strong. He's physical. It's just I, I got a feeling on a, on a late-notice fight like this, it does favor Beza. He's the better athlete. He's younger. He does have good grappling chops as well. He's at a good camp MMA Masters. But the price is not right because it's a short notice fight. No matter how you look on it, just the lateness of it getting thrown on. There's a lot of unknowns with Jeremiah Wells, and this does have the the, the potential that Beza is a big favorite. You already mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like what three minus
0: three three minus three thirty. That was the that was like an opener. Honestly, when we started the show, it wasn't even. There was nothing out there. Yeah, so, minus three thirty plus two seventy.
1: Right. So let's say it's minus three thirty. Okay, that makes it forty points more than TJ Laramie, who I really like. Right. It makes it. Fifty points less than Chemaev, who I really like, and it puts it right around the same ballpark as Colby Covington. To me, Beza is not in those guys' leagues because there's still a lot of unprovenness there. And just going back, right, his contender series fight, way no walk in the park, man. He beat Victor Reyna, who is not good mm-hmm. at all, by decision. Dicey enough decision. Man, they give him the contract because they need bodies. Then he beats Hector Aldana, I don't gotta say nothing to you, Paul, Sean, and Cibo, Hector Aldana, because you fucking know. And then the Matt Brown fights. its like, why is he fighting Matt Brown? And, and it was dicey. And then he beats Brown, who's forty and got a lot of injuries, and chin is definitely taken up. Been way. in
0: a lot of wars, and
1: and the speed discrepancy—holy shit! Like was, it was—it looked like Matt Brown was walking in quicksand. To be honest, it was kind of sad to see Baze gets the win. Are we, am I sold on him? Are we sold on him? Is this a super prospect? No. Is he running? No, I don't he's know. He's like, what?
0: He's 20, 28, 29. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so he's not like a young, group. like if he was, if he had his skill set when he's like 22 years old, he'd yeah. be like, okay, this could go in sure. some directions. He's, he's in his prime right now or yeah, close to it.
1: Yeah. And, and I, and I honestly do think that this is the kind of guy that he's doing the right thing, getting experience in, getting experience. Aldana, Aldana's shit, right? So go out there and get that win. Matt Brown, well, he's not what he used to be, go out there and get that win. And Jeremiah Wells, come on. I Man, you should be Jermaine Wells, but he's getting he's getting ring time, he's getting cage time, he's getting experience, he's getting to try out new things. He could be good. I think he could be good. It's just right now he's still green. He's still got a lot of holes in his game, and, and three thirty is a price tag is just too much.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, pull up the uh, Maddie. Pull up the uh, the DraftKings boards so here. We'll just rip through that as we look over at the screen. Chimaev ninety four, Gerald. Uh, Three fifteen. If you're insane, you can play Gerald Shark. If you, I guess they all think that there's going to be a submission. He doesn't knock out anybody. So uh, I mean, it's it's uh, he Hamzat's been averaging like 115 points. Now this is the hardest fight of his career so far. But 100 is very very much in his wheelhouse in this in this spot. Um, obviously, Colby 9300. I mean, he's got an extra couple rounds to play with. This guy has went off for, like, 150 points multiple times. It's going to be hard to get the takedowns against Tyron Woodley, at least early in the fight. Um, Woodley's got his own wrestling credentials. These guys have probably spent a lot of time in the same wrestling room at American Top Team over the years, before, obviously, all of the falling out here. Um, Both very, very good options, but it's a matter of, like... Who are the cheap dumpster dives that you're going to do to fill in uh, lineups like that? Um, any thoughts on DraftKings? So we've got, I, I mean, we already we already highlighted Nico Price, 8,500, GPP special. If he's going to catch Cerrone, he's go- if he's going to win this fight, I feel like it probably comes by knockout. Uh, Cerrone is a, low, a slow starter, Cerrone has all of the skills advantage in this fight, giving up a lot of size, giving up power, and I don't know if he can take the same damage as he could, uh, he's never really good at taking damage to the body, but uh, I, I, where, where are you going uh, in terms of a DraftKings perspective here?
1: Yeah, so just running through it really quickly. Covington at 9,300. That. He just puts on such a pace. It's five rounds. T. Wood's just going to be punching bag. It'd be a good price. Now, if you did have T. Wood by the first round knockout, that's his way to beat Colby. Colby's hittable. 69 would be considered a punt. I could see that. Not for me, but all the same. Nico Price versus Cerrone. You want some You want some upside. You want some uh, some exposure there. 8,500 for Nico Price. Very fair. Very fair. he get that first round knockout, sure. Cerrone wins. He's going to have output. He could have takedowns. He could have a late submission. He could have a late finish. Outside of that, I mean, he could definitely put it together. We're going with Nico Price. That would be a guy. Nico Price at 8500 is not one of the high, high expensive options, so that helps. Because I like Laramie. I like Chimayev. I like Covington. You can't put the three of them on the same card. No. So at that point, a guy like Nico Price becomes very valuable. Going on to Kazmat Chimayev, $9,400, absolutely agree. I think he can just takedowns, output, ground and pound, get eventually a finish. Plus, Fight Matrix seems to like this guy, right? So whereas they basically never really count ground and bound, they do on Kshemaya, baby. They'll give him all 100% of those strikes. So I got there. Johnny Walker versus Ryan Span. You're going on some exposure. Honestly, Walker, but he's 8,300. Span, it mm, be nice to save some money and get that big one. If you're going for GPP, you'll you go for a piece of this. If you're going for a cash game, a lot of volatility for mm-hmm. sure. I wouldn't want Rondo Marcos or Mackenzie Dern on DraftKings. Mackenzie Dern's got the higher upside with the ability to get that submission finished, but at $8,700, I don't want to rely on that. Rondo Marcos, she's just not really, a, she's never been a high DraftKings score ever. The fact that it is $7,500, 7, that could be a good cash game play, assuming she just squeaks at a decision, but it won't be a high-scoring thing. Darren Stewart, very, very good look at $7,100, I think. As we talked about the show earlier, I didn't think it was because like he's not going to finish Kevin Hall, in my opinion. But for $7,100, who, who gives a shit? Just win. Just win the fight. Just get the decision. $7,100, that's fine because you can still go get 60, 70 points, keep the team alive, 7100 you get a winner, perfect. Borello versus Silva, I want to no know exposure. Silva could obviously be a, a high uptake because low ownership and a high upside, maybe she is one of those optimals, who knows. David Dvorak, another guy I'm looking at, he's only $8,200, so he fits like that lower mid-range. But again, you know, he's going to have to tire Espinoza and finish him late. Alpar versus Clark, I wouldn't want no exposure on that. Alpar's going to try to wrestle low scoring. Clark's a grinder, low scoring. Newsom versus Costa. Costa could just definitely let bang him out. He really could. Costa would be considered another punt guy, $7,800, high upside. However, I'm not sold on him. I don't like him personally. I go Jeremy Newsom on that one for 84. is going to be low scoring. Rivera is going to be low scoring. TJ Laramie's going to get Derek Manor out of there. I think he's going to be high scoring. Again, he's another $9,200 guy. The one thing here, though, is Colby Covington, headliner. Big mm-hmm. name, former champion. Five rounds. High ownership, right? Kazmat Chimaev, big name. People seem to like him. High ownership. T.J. Laramie, kind of around that same ballpark. He's $100 cheaper than Kobe Covington, $200 cheaper than Chimaev. What's the
0: likelihood of him outscoring those two guys, though?
1: Well, I, good, good enough. Good enough just on the basis of if you look at Derek Minner's career, it's bang or bust. Like, he either finishes you quick or he gets finished. Mm-hmm. Because I don't see him finishing T.J. Laramie finish. Uh, fast I think TJ Laramie takes him out now Laramie's got that wrestling he's got that grinding but you just see the Daniel Swain fight once he does get you down he's got output there he's going to work you over a little bit so a few takedowns lots of ground and pound a potential submission attempt or a TKO later in the second or third round it's not going to outscore Colby Covington I don't think uh with Kazma Chimaev, like, I don't know maybe Chimaev just finishes him quick like he doesn't quite get it like I, I don't know the likelihood you're li- I-, I 100% agree the likelihood's low but the ownership would, would be if Chemayev did pull off that, if he did get upset, or if Woodley did punch out Colby Covington. Colby Covington is not going to score anything. He got punched in the first round. Chamayev didn't score anything. He got submitted in the first round. Laramie could be that better option flying under the radar. But no, I, I do agree with you. He'll be lower scoring than those and then Bezos is
0: going to probably get slid into... The
1: mix there, yeah, and too. I and, and I wouldn't want none of that because Jeremiah Wells is a durable enough guy, and because I think he's going to try to grapple and use his more maybe physicality to slow this one down. I wouldn't want no exposure on Beza. Same thing with Tyson Nam. Tyson Nam's the kind of guy you would want because holy shit, man! This I mean, guy last cracks. week, you, last week I power. think we were
0: interested. He was seventy. It was like flipped. I think he was seventy six hundred. And he's
1: got so. he's got big power. Maybe he pulls it off. But but now you look at him a spot. He's eighty six hundred dollars. And one thing with Tyson Nam is that like he's another Tyron Woodley in the sense that he knows he has that power and he relies on it just a little bit too much. Doesn't really let his hands go enough. So could he knock out Jerome Rivera? Yeah, absolutely. But more likely, he just, you know, beats this guy in the striking, stuffs his takedowns, and eventually takes him into later waters, and maybe ends up winning a decision. So at $8,600, I'm going to be running to Tyson Nam, although I see a lot of love for him online. And yeah, that's about it. I had Merced Bektic, but whatever. He was like a 5-to-1 favorite, and fight got He needs
0: a win, so it's kind of smart for him him to to pull out. Like, I don't think he's taking any late notice replacements here. Do you?
1: know what the other guy's cornerman tested positive, and you would think that they 're going to find him a replacement because they 've been finding replacements
0: they the, i mean the but bottom half of this car apologies shit. for me just being out of sorts
1: i've just dude there's just so much we've been know? really hey, busy
0: hey, and i hey, haven't ha- i didn 't have time to I, as we start talking through this i 'm like i can 't even bullshit my way through the bottom of it's this fights be man. perfectly honest uh lots of lots of shows coming out on the Pat Mayo experience every single day multiples every single day so it's been uh yeah with football and there's a US open in golf it's i'm i didn't have time to uh to dig into a bunch of these prelims i'm going to look into some of the fights but yeah this it's a nice main card for a for a free tv card but those prelims this week just really are falling off of a cliff uh, in my opinion, but there's a whole bunch of people around. They're all looking for fights. They're going I'll back. I watch
1: anything. <laughs> they're matter. they're
0: going back to Fight Island, so it, it kind of makes sense. Get everybody their job before they're gone for like five six weeks. So, uh, any final closing remarks from you?
1: The PRP is only going to have I believe two underdogs, but we're going Colby Covington, Nico Price, uh, Kazmaiev. Definitely, he's one of the locks for us. I'm going to take Ryan Span. He's going to be the first underdog. Ron Marcos is going to be the second underdog. Darren Stewart's going to be the third underdog. We're going to go with Silva. We're going to go with David Dvorak. He's even money. I'm going to take Jesse Jess Rose-Clark. I'm going to take Journey Newsom. We're going to take Andre Uhl, by decision especially. That fight goes the decision regardless who wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, TJ Laramie. I'm going to take Tyson Nam, and I'm going to go with Miguel Beza. Don't really love that spot. He's going to be a big favorite. But, uh yeah, that's, that's about it. Unless you want me to tell you a joke. I want to hear a joke, yeah, sure. Want hear a joke? Yep. Okay. You're saying this is a joke of a card. We might as well finish. I the, mean, the uh, bottom half is. Yeah, the, the main card's tight. If they try to get main me to pay is, for the main card, main I'd card it, is but great, it,
0: but it's it the undercard is just like fight after fight that I just don't care
1: about. It's all about contracts, man. Think about it. They're like, man, TV contracts. We need to fill these fights, and then beyond that, it's like, no, we have these contracts guaranteeing these guys three fights a year. And I think like, I, I, like, I I reached UFC. I Uf,
0: I reached UFC burnout right there. Apologies to people listening, but I reached burnout right around the Darren Stewart fight. We've been doing cards we've been doing this show every single week for it seems like an eternity now.
1: Six years. (laughs) Well, I know, but especially like (laughs) since Well, now we got consecutive weeks, you don't really get a break. Back in the day you used to get like a week or two off. Yeah, and you know, they would No rest for the wicked. Nope. Oh, what's the joke? Okay, guy walks into a go- doctor's office and walks over. And he, doctor, I need help. Something's, something's wrong. I'm, I got a... And the doctor says, holy shit, okay, no problem. We'll, we'll look you over. Takes the guy and they run some scans on him. So then he comes back to the guy and he, the guy says, Ooh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me, doctor? And he says, we ran some scans on you, man. I got to say, you have got the biggest penis anybody in this office has ever seen. Like, holy shit, man. A- anyways, as it turns out, this thing just takes so much blood to physically operate it's just taken away from your brain you're not getting enough blood going to your brain that's just what's causing these like you know you to, you have this stutter and you to kind of be off so it's you know we're going to put you into surgery and what we're going to do is we're going to remove a chunk of it but you're, you're still going to have average so you're going to have average it's like everybody else totally fine not no worries we're just going to remove the rest of it so because you yeah, do, do do it do it so they go through the surgery guy's fine guy leaves no problem week later two weeks later guy walks in the doctor's office He says, Doc, listen, man, I got to tell you, man. I mean, listen, it's good being able to talk again. I'm feeling good in that regard. Like, life's kind of gone bad. But here's the thing, man. You you told me I was going to be average. I I can't pick up a chick anymore. man. Average is a lot. These girls don't want average. I'm having no luck, man. Like, fuck it, dude. Put it back on. I'll, I'll just deal with the list, man. Put it back on. And the doctor says to him,
0: go fuck yourself.
1: I missed it. Anyways,
0: anyway, that's it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to producer Matt Best for all the sweet cuts behind the glass, and thank you to Cody Zabick for literally carrying this show for Cody and Matt. I am Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.